This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Muck Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Muck Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door, including my favourite, the Quarter Pounder with cheese. Mm. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with Muck Delivery, so the only thing left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with three for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. Beyond the pitch, beyond the results, we're here to connect fans, getting them to embrace the highs and lows of supporting your club because we're not just fans, we're a team. With two in three football fans having struggled with their mental health, we understand that life off the pitch can present its own challenges. That's why we're committed to ensuring you have the tools to stay connected with your friends and fellow supporters. Take a moment to connect with your mates. A simple text or an open conversation can make a world of difference. And if they don't respond right away, don't hesitate to follow up. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Hello, good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. You're listening to episode 233 of the Stacey West podcast. My name is Gary, and for this uh, slightly shorter episode, we imagine, I am joined by Mr. Charlie Beeston. How are you doing, my friend? Hello, yeah, uh, all good. You say short, are they ever really short? Well, Chris isn't on it. That's a very today. good point, actually, yes, uh, yes. We don't have a preview, so we don't have another game to talk about at the end. Um, so predominantly sure, but of course we do have plenty to talk about uh, because this is our first post-transfer deadline day um, podcast. Usually we have quite a bit to talk about after deadline day, but there isn't a huge amount, a little bit more given news that broke earlier today, but we'll obviously come on to that first and foremost. Now, before we go on to Bristol Rovers, I think I should issue a little bit of an apology um, because... Uh, <laughs> we'll come on to talk about Jack Vale uh, soberly um, at the <laughs> end of the pod, towards the end of the podcast. But some of you may have been privy to uh, a little live stream that Chris and I did uh, after about six hours drinking, and and that was quite a, a hectic session of drinking. So uh, it was quite expletive laden, uh, from what I understand. I did delete it the next morning, but I've left it on my my personal Facebook. Uh, and Mr. Beeston was loitering in the background with some serious intent. I'm told I, I was. I um, I had also been out at the pub Friday night. I was considerably more sober than what you were, though. Um, I was lying in bed at 10:55 when notification came through from Lincoln. We are making a signing, so I immediately. Obviously, as soon as the signing was announced, I immediately got a Blackburn Rovers fan who was going to record with me so we could find out more about Jack Vale. Uh, was, I was going to do it as a live stream as well, an 11 o'clock live stream. I log on to StreamYard, and there you are in a uh, a drunken state. Yeah, I will just say it. <laughs> yeah, we, we were inebriated. 
the the main band had finished a band called Pet Needs. Um, but what's really funny, and I've only just found out this a couple of minutes before we've gone live on air, is that um, not only did Charlie come into the little green room at the bottom, because when we record, spoiler, I can see if people are in the green room. When I'm drunk, I can't see that. So not only did he pop up in there, but uh, and pop being the um, imaginative, uh, the, the relevant <laughs> word, rather, um, he then remained in there afterwards. And so after we'd finished going live, I didn't end exit <laughs> the live stream. So he could then hear me. Uh, my mate uh, Dave and, and Chris, our other podcast co-host, one of our other podcast co-hosts, debating on whether to go to Pop World or not. I, I say debating, it was more you demanding that you did go to Pop World and Dave going, oh, really? That, that, is, that, a, that is not what happened at all. <laughs> Dave needed no excuse whatsoever. <laughs> no, I'm not having that at all. I'm not. We did, we did stay out. We did go to Pop World. I can um, announce it was crap uh, and we left. After about an hour, but that's an incident. It was an incident in Pop World, which I'm not going to go into any more detail on. But um, basically, I ended up hiding in the toilets and texting them saying taxi right now. Uh, and then we left Pop World. <laughs> so, right. Okay. Yeah, but I'm not, I'm not going into that because I'm not sure um, entirely whether whether I was assaulted or not. But um, we'll leave it there. Not by a man. Um, so not that yeah but anyway anyway so there we go so uh cards on the table honesty shout the next day we were back on it uh and that was at the badlands punk festival which was superb by the way uh, but it means that i didn't get to watch the bristol rovers game um usually we travel to a foreign country using a vpn if we're away and we can watch a bristol rovers game so lincoln are quite accessible but we didn't uh, so chris and i were watching on Twitter and Footmob and on his watch and, and wherever else we could. I have watched some highlights afterwards, but luckily our newest addition to the podcast, Mr. Beast, and goes all over the place. And so he was at the memorial ground. Um, what was, was it like there, just to, before we talk about the game? I, mean, I think I've only been to the ground once. And I don't remember it being that great. No, so I was I was there last year for the 6-3 as well, so it was my second trip. Um, it's a really weird ground. It's really unconventional. I think it's got... I believe the stand across from where we were is kind of an old cricket sort of house um, mm. stand. Um, and, and yeah, it, it's, it's a bit of a weird one. They, we only had standing, well, we were originally only going to be having standing and anybody that wanted to sit down had to go and sit in the home end. Uh, luckily they did then as of 10 o'clock Saturday morning, they managed to put a temporary stand up behind the goal. But unfortunately we were to the side kind of the penalty area to the side of the penalty area, just stood up on the terrace. But it wasn't bad. There was a nice little, I say, fan zone. There was a burger van and a, and a pop-up bar. So there's worse, worse away ends. Fair enough. It's been a while, a long while since I went there. I didn't go to the 6-3. I uh, didn't go to the, I think we won 1-0 and Luke Lee was sent off. No, Ed Upson was sent off for them, wasn't he, a few years ago for for a tackle, if I remember correctly. He was the, anyway. I know you're looking yeah, pondery, but yeah. he, he was definitely under Michael Appleton. So, yeah. Um, one thing uh, that is, there were several things certainly in life. There are death, there's taxes, and there's Lincoln City going through a striker crisis. Now, what's really frustrating is that um, just a few hours earlier on a drunken podcast stroke live stream, <laughs> I remember saying how refreshing it is that we've gone into a deadline day not needing a striker and actually signed a striker. Uh, and, and then the team pops up and it's, Oh, all three of our strikers are injured. Brilliant. Um, so it, it necessitated a change in shape to a 3-5-2, which we've discussed on the podcast mm -hmm. before. Quite like the 3-5-2. And it can be more attacking uh, than the than the 3-4-3. Three, three. 
uh, with the with the two strikers and the four, the players getting forward, but it didn't sound like that in the first half. No, and to be fair, it was a weird one because it did seem like Ali Smith was actually playing more of a, a right wing role at times. Um, he was obviously on the right of the, the three in midfield, the three five two, and was very much given a license to push forward to the point where it did very much seem like he was trying to play as more of a right winger uh, and then gave Mandroy the chance to push out a little bit wider. But yeah, we, we seemed a little bit kind of lacking uh, of attacking intent in the first half. The ball, we managed to get the ball kind of up in, into the sort of close to the attacking third a few times. But we kind of didn't really seem like we had any idea what to do with it when we were there, um, which, which is a bit, of a, it's just a bit of a shame considering the quality we know that we've got up there. Um, but, you know, it, uh, that was the first half, the second half. We had a lot more chances and more clear-cut chances. Uh, it would have just been nice, I guess, to have more opportunities in the first half. I think in your write-up, you uh, pointed out that we only had 0.04 XG in the first half. And that's two shots. what it looked like. Yeah, and yeah two shots on like. target. Mm. Um, so, so talk to me about the, the defence because look, we we can talk about what we didn't do, and football's really easy to to do that. It's really easy for a football fan to talk about what their team didn't do. But actually, we've we've gone to a Bristol Rovers side who I think are laden with attacking quality mm. in Aaron Collins, in Giovanni Brown, in uh, Luke Thomas. I think they've got some good attacking players, and we were playing. You know, we talk about the lack of strikers. We're playing without our captain and leader, Paulie O'Connor. So Adam Jackson, Sean Rowan and Alex Mitchell, who I think we'll come on to again in a minute. And we, we you and I spoke about him after the Sheffield United game as well. Uh, so you know, they didn't have great XG. They were 0.4 something. So they, they were underneath the threshold, what would be considered for scoring a goal as well. Was that down to their wastefulness or was that down to uh, a decent defensive rear guard? It's a really weird one because I think it was a bit of both. First of all, their right... They, they made a lot of moves down the right wing. And, uh, the, the I mean, the offside, the linesman on that side had a mare anyway. They only had four offsides in the whole game. They could have easily had four inside of the first 20 minutes. Just just quite poor. Um, there, was, there was one particular chance. And if you've seen the extended highlights, like I went back and watched myself, it's the it's the chance where they basically made three or four little balls, and it was I think it was Collins then that managed to get the shot off. But it was flicking it basically over the head of uh, Mitchell and and then Jacko, and it was a really really nice move, the sort of move that if it was your own team, you'd want to see a goal at the end of it. And I kind of felt that was that was kind of symbolic of the whole of the whole first half. They had chances and they were playing some nice football. They couldn't get any the final shot, the final pass, nothing like that was really coming for them. Um, defensively we were good and we were resolute but there were also a few sloppy mistakes there was one point I think it was in the lead up to that one if I'm not mistaken um, where they were kind of on the break and it was Alex Mitchell's more or less just in front of where I was stood and the defender was running at him and instead of him holding his ground he he just stepped forward and he went in and there was no real need for it it just seemed a little bit rushed um, which is a shame because I also thought he had a good game and he's, I think he's a really good player. But it was just something I don't think Kennedy was very happy about it either because it wasn't that far sort of away from him. Um, so I do think we we were solid defensively, but also there was a few sloppy mistakes that they could and maybe should have capitalised on in that first half. Is no nil fair in the first half? Absolutely. Fair enough. Yeah. yeah. Um, 
so obviously from our point of view, we'd watch some bands. We, we would check in. You know, the messages coming through suggested that probably, it's hard to get it. I, I, it was my first experience in, in quite a long while of being a fan without the radio, without any pictures at all. Without So it was really strange because you read the Twitter and it feels like, well, we're under the cosh here a little bit, whereas and actually the stats and the highlights suggest that wasn't the case. Suggest no. Bristol Rovers were marginally the better side. I took some stick out after my write-up from a Bristol Rovers fan to say that they dominated us um, from start to finish. And when you look at the attacking intent, which is a sofa score metric, mm-hmm. um, they had much more of the ball and much more attacking intent than we did. But we have the lowest possession of the ball in the entire division at the moment. So we are a team that likes to let other play teams have possession. And, and you know, Chris has explained things like a, a, a mid-block and you know, high-pressing, and that's kind of what we do when we let teams have the ball in areas that they're not going to hurt us as well. So it's not really a surprise that we're probably the most clinical team, I think, in the division at the moment. You have to create chances. Who stood out in the first half for you for, for us Honestly, Sean Rowan, and he got my man of the match um, okay. when I was back on back on the coach because, like I say, the defense the defense were good, but a couple of sloppy mistakes. He didn't make any of them. He's, I, I think he's a. Well, you, you've spoken about it a lot before. We spoke about it in the uh, Sheffield United after the Sheffield United game, and quite frankly, he was my player of the month in August, um, and he's continuing to impress week in week out. Okay. Um, so half time comes and goes very, very quickly after half time. Lincoln take the lead. Um, mm-hmm. I've obviously looked back at the goal, and you know, it was a screamer from you know, two yards out. But you've got to be there. You, I, I'm delighted for Adam Jackson, by the way, not mm-hmm. only because he's got his start and he's many people's man of the match on the ratings, he gets man of the match um, on Stacey West this week. But you know, he's a player that I think was written off, um, yep. kind of a year into his, his contract is, well, we've got to get rid of Adam Jackson because he's so injury prone. It's great to see him back in and around the team. The goal for me was, was all about Ethan Arahan. I mean, his shot fizzed in, keeper obviously palmed it back across the face of goal, but it's a, it's one of those moments where it's about taking your chances. And before I pass mm-hmm. over to you, there was something else I noticed uh, in the goal. I really liked, and it's, it's from a player who is quickly becoming one of my favorite Lincoln city players. And it's Rico Hackett. Because if you watch as Adam Jacks, as the ball drops to Jacko, it's come, it's ricocheted off Hackett. And yeah. instead of him trying to step forward to take it, he's pull, he's moving backwards into the defender and the defender yeah. can't get past him. He's leaving it for Jacko. Now, you know, sometimes a striker might go for that and might be tackled, it might be hooked away. I just thought that was really intelligent. Adam Jackson scored it. Arahan and Hackett, I think Hackett might get an assist actually for that. I, I, I thought he would. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it, it was a, it was a, it was a, a good goal without being a good goal, if you know what I mean. No, 100%. And you've kind of just stolen one of the key points I was going to make about that goal there. Um, yes, you can do your little dance and be happy all about it. I, uh, the, the, like I said, the intelligence from Rico to, I don't say give the goal to Jackson, but at least give the, give the chance to Jackson was unbelievably smart. And it was, I, I kind of get what you, I 100% agree with what you're saying in the fact it was a really good goal without it being, a 30-yard screen without it being anything like that. What it was for me was it was a perfect team goal without Arsenal against Norwich where you're making 30 passes into the penalty area. It's not that, but it's every player in that box is working hard. Now, one thing I noted and that I really, really enjoyed was um, was actually the, the recycling of the ball. 
something that Kennedy always bangs on about is the fact of constantly get that ball back into the dangerous area. If it comes out to you just outside the penalty area, get it back in if there's bodies in there. And that's exactly what we did. It happened a couple of times. I think Jack Burrows made a cross first, which then got headed back out to Ethan. And then, I mean, it was, it was oh, what a, what a volley. Um, he just hit that so sweetly. And I'm glad that a goal came out of it because if that had just sort of been saved and gone out for a corner or whatever, people wouldn't remember it as much, but that was, it was an incredible chance. And like I say, it was just constantly getting the ball back into the area. And that's exactly what we, what we want from this team. Now, this is a different dynamic on the podcast because obviously I'm kind of asking you quite a bit because of not obviously not seen again. Mm. What were the circumstances for Adam Jackson being in the six-yard area? Had we just had a corner or a free kick? It was a, no, it was a free kick, I believe. Okay. I think it was a I think it was a free kick that got knocked in. I think it actually got knocked in from the other side and then came through. If I'm not mistaken, I'm not wrong on okay. that one. But yeah, okay, good, good. Yep, because that was obviously the big question uh, when we because we did it. Yes. It popped up on Twitter and we've had a look and it's gone. Well, what's Adam Jackson doing up there? Like you automatically you automatically think a corner, don't you? If if your defender scored, it's the first thing that pops into your mind, or at least me, anyway. Well, you're you're of a certain age, but people of a certain vintage will instantly think Keith Alexander, where he would just stick a big man up front, whether he could play up there or not. It was it was a <laughs> rite of passage under Keith Alexander. If you were a big defender, you got to play up front. Mm. Gareth McCauley, I think, and I can I stand to be corrected on this, but I think he made his debut as a striker for Lincoln. I seem to think we brought him on late on in a game to play up front. Um, Jamie McCoon played up there a few times. Big Ben Futcher, I think, was pushed up when we needed a goal as well. So uh, I was just looking at that thinking, oh, Adam Jackson, we're going to play him as a, <laughs> play him as a striker. Um, criticism after that on, on social media from some quarters for not going and killing the game off. I think it's an easy thing to say at yeah. 1-0. Oh, well, you want a second. We got it. I, against I don't Northampton. agree with it. No. So, so, yeah, talk to me about that. So do you think, I mean, because it didn't seem like anything really happened after that until injury time. Well, well, no, because actually the the first Sorensen, so obviously Sorensen had two chances, and his first was only a few minutes after the goal, if I remember, if I'm remembering it correctly. Uh, so that was him sort of coming down the the right wing. But he was at first and straight after the game, I was really critical of him for not taking the chance. Um, but actually, I watched it back. He's at a really tight angle. He's got a defender leaning on him the whole time. The defender actually did really well. He managed to put him off without sort of committing the foul. Um, so I was really kind of impressed. I uh, can't exactly remember who the defender was for them. It was number 15 or something like that, I believe. Um, and then the goalkeeper, Cox, I think he did absolutely brilliantly, uh, not just for the first chance, but the second chance, positioned himself really well. He knew when to come out. Um, so actually, like I said, I was critical of Sorensen for not taking them in, straight after the game. But now I look back at it and I think, yeah, you know what you've done probably just the best you can do in that scenario. Um, and that was, like I said, that was almost straight after. And then it kind of died out after that until injury time. So just a word on last, by the way, mm-hmm. 11 touches in the penalty area this season, which is the yeah. joint. And that's, that's only by the way, in the league one, that's not including the cup game. So 11 touches joint top with Rico Hackett, um, 15 crosses delivered this season, which is, uh, which is eight, which is sorry, seven more than, Burrows, seven more than Hackett and seven more than Mandroyu. Mm-hmm. Uh, two chances in the Bristol game. Almost certainly it could have scored the last one. And I'll come on to Joven, by the way, shortly. Um, mm. you know, is Lass basically becoming one of the first names on the team sheet? Absolutely. Um, Lass, I, was, I saw your tweet earlier about Lass being 
you know, top of uh, touches in the penalty area. And my first immediate thought was, oh, maybe we should have started him up top on <laughs> on uh, Saturday. Lass is he's brilliant on that sort of right wing back slot. He knows exactly when to push forward. He knows exactly when to come back and defend. His ability on the ball is fantastic. Like you say, his crossing is is brilliant. I mean that the cross for the cross for the Pordy goal away at Northampton is the one that sticks into my mind because that was such yeah. a pinpoint cross. Um, and yeah, I, he is, he's, I think we're starting in a way to kind of take it for granted. The fact I, I spoke about the fact that Sean Rowan was probably my player of the month and the fact that he said he was probably, he was my man of the match on, on Saturday, even though Sorensen was getting all of those great chances, it's actually, he, he needs to continue getting the credit because he's continuing to improve week in, week out as well, which is something I love to see. So we're talking there about um, Lass again. So passes to the final third, he's also fifth highest with 24. Funny you should mention Sean Rowan. Passes to the final third in League One this season. Sean Rowan, 65. The next is Ethan Arahan with 42. Oof, wow. So in terms of getting the ball forward, now I think that's, we've, we've often looked to get the ball quickly into the mm-hmm. channel. And I think that Sean's distribution is, is kind of coming through from that. So you're 1-0. We were watching a little acoustic. I was four or five pints in at that. Maybe let's say three. Chris was two coffees, three waters, and a pint in at that stage. By the way, that's, a, that's uh, embarrassing. Yeah, well, we, you can. I, I will never put pressure on anybody to drink. Um, but Chris and I got into town at midday. Dave was already three pints in. He'd been in nice <laughs> and early, and I, Chris had a, a coffee in the drill hall. Anyway, six minutes of injury time come up. We're counting down. And then it's a goal that a cross has come in. Obviously, we've kind of blocked a cross, if I remember correctly, for the corner. But it's a simple, simple header. Who's at fault, Charlie? Now, I struggled to to pinpoint exactly who it was. So there was there was the two defenders. Well, actually, I think one of them was was it was one of them Joven. And then the other one was, I, I can't tell you who the other one was because I couldn't see it from that. I tried looking at the highlights and I just couldn't make out who the other one was. So I'll, I'll let you um, firm on that one. Joven, it looked to me like he was ducking out of the way, in a way, uh, back to the defender. Uh, and then the other the other defender, like I said, I'll let you tell me who it was, um, looked like he was trying to win it and just didn't. Um, so, yeah, Joven seems like he kind of switched off a bit. Uh, I'm not going to tell you who the defender is because I also couldn't work it out, no. unfortunately. And I'm not going to blame Joven. I know that there was some criticism of him on social media afterwards. But then there were two moments after the goal. Um, one where he's created a chance down the left-hand side and then probably should have pulled it back to Ali Smith. Mm. Uh, and then a um, chance again and almost immediately after where absolutely beautiful bit of football from Joven to feed in Lars Sorensen. Um Jack Vale coming in, who we're going to talk about, probably means Joven out on loan. And I think having seen him a little bit at this stage of his career, he desperately needs to go out to a better level. Yeah. I um, Brackley than where he was before. I've all I've always liked Joven. I've always had a bit of a soft spot for him. Uh Charlton away last season, he came on with about 10 minutes to go and his his running, his sort of his, his body type, if you like. He, he really tries to get himself about, and I, and I like that. But yesterday, I think, Saturday, kind of confirmed a couple of worries I had about him in the fact that 
obviously his decision making hasn't exactly been the best. And actually, I'm not too sure what his technical ability on the ball is like. And that's and that might be slightly harsh because I agree he he sort of helped put Sorensen through for for that later chance. But the the chance his chance where he definitely should have pulled it back it was or or even taken the early cross into I think it was Ethan Hamilton that was in the middle um there was he had a couple of options that he just didn't take but that chance wouldn't have come if it wasn't for his hunger and drive down that left hand side to actually win the ball back and that's what I mean his off the ball work every time I've seen him looks to have been brilliant he's constantly wanting to get the ball back all of this and then actually the question is is he quite as technically technically adept as what we kind of want him to be or is he maybe a little bit more clunky on the ball and not quite um sort of striker that we're going to want and I think alone is exactly what he needs to to build that up if if nothing else because look what's happened to Freddie Draper people saying very similar things about Freddie and and now he's gone to gone to obviously Drahida got a good few goals gone to Walsall and he's having a really good start to the season there and who knows whether he'll be a part of the first team squad next season so there's the option for for Joven to improve, definitely. But I don't see it being at Lincoln City in the short term. No, I agree 100%. And I thought when he came on against Sheffield United, he's a willing runner. I saw somebody mm-hmm. claiming that he was lazy uh, when he came on, on on social media, which I wholeheartedly disagree with. And obviously, I didn't yeah. see everything at Bristol Rovers, but he's certainly involved in the latter stages. I just think technically... He may be found wanting a bit. And that could come from, mm. from regular football. He impressed at Gainsborough Trinity a couple of years ago, went to Brackley, barely got a kick, and has then come back and been part of our first-team squad. And people might be saying, well, why is Freddie Draper not part of our first-team squad? Why is Charlie Kendall not when Joven is? And I think with Joven, you have the physicality. And I think later in a game where you might need to go a little bit longer, you're more likely to head it on, land it on Joven's head. I think all three are in very different stages and are viewed very differently by the club. Yes. I think Charlie Kendall's a roll of the dice. I don't think he fits our system unless you play a 3-5-2. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that he's probably out on loan at the moment. And if it doesn't work out, you know, he's he's kind of in last chance saloon. I don't think that's ever been the case with Freddie Draper. I think we're always massively invested in Freddie. I think we see in Freddie a player who is going to develop and we're just, it's a slow boil. He's a boil in the bag. You know, he's, he's stepped mm. on Drahida. He's stepped up Walsall. He's doing decent at Walsall. Whereas I think Joven has been the quick fix. Joven is the, well, he can do this job for us. Let's do that job rather than, and and I'm not saying we're not looking to his long-term development, but we're using him in the shorter term, hoping that he develops through limited minutes. He's not going to, he needs the minutes. Um, He needs to go out to the National League. I think he's shown enough to to prove that he could be a good National League striker. So that was pretty much it. Um, We we drew one all, a solid point, I think, away from home. I mean, was was it a, a happy camp on the way home? How do you see it in the grand scheme of things, Mr Beeston? Immediately after the game, I was saying a draws, a draw was fair, um, and I think when I look back at some of the highlights, some of the stats, I feel like the game was there for the taking. But on the whole, a draw away at Bristol was totally fair. I mean, I'm not the sort of person that uses excuses when it comes to football, but I, I'm more than happy to use explanations. And when you think about it, yes, uh, Saturday we had no out and out striker, 
you know, that wasn't from, like, like you said, that wasn't from us being unprepared after deadline day or anything like that. It was just one of those unlucky coincidences. Um, we're then at the end of a week that saw us get two wins, one away from home against the Premier League side, and that was on the Wednesday night. And then we're away from home in Bristol the day after deadline day when, let's be honest, people weren't going to bed when they were supposed to be going to bed. You know, when, when the players get the lights out call, they were, they were obviously still awake watching deadline day, as were all the fans. So, yeah, ultimately, I actually think a draw... We'd have all taken a draw at three o'clock. The manner that it came is obviously a little bit frustrating, um, but that was that was really about it. And I've got to be honest, I, I'm going to ask you, you a question, Gary, kind of based on the based on the game. And I'm not going doomsday because we've dropped two points or anything like that. But you mentioned again we had, you know, we had less than 30% possession. I think it was 29% on Saturday, um, obviously. We created three big chances, all of that, and um, it, it's it's positive in terms of the back clinicality. And it was something that I spoke with Chris about on the monthly show because we spoke about the fact that actually our goals per shots uh, it might not be now, but as of before the game on Saturday, it was the highest in the league. We scored the most amount of goals from the fewest amount of shots, which really reinforces that point that you were talking about of us being really clinical. But if we were if we were looking at those stats, and it was another team in the league, let's say you were on the on the Real EFL podcast talking about another team in our league with the similar kind of underlying stats. Would you be talking about the fact that it would be unsustainable in the long term? Do you think we're going to have to worry over the course of the season or do you think we can get a positive league result out of playing like this? So we're talking about six games in. Yeah. Okay. We're talking about four of those being away games Mm -hmm. where... We are playing teams who kind of have to come at you. And bear in mind, one of those is uh, Bolton Wanderers. You've got Shrewsbury who play very tight, give very few chances away. Uh, Bristol Rovers kind of up and down, but give very few chances away. Uh, the home games, we've scored six goals, granted. Penalties involved in there against two teams. But, you know, Blackpool came, hadn't, con- hadn't conceded a goal. Mm-hmm. Wickham, traditionally very hard to beat. So actually, of the six games, you could argue that you know, we haven't played the greatest of respect. A Cheltenham or mm-hmm. uh, a Fleetwood or a team who are, are playing end-to-end. I mean, Wiggins conceded XG is phenomenal. They, they, they're right there. Well, they were yes. ahead of last weekend, right out in front. So we've played some hard, tight teams. Would it concern me that actually, in terms of expected goals, we are you know, we're much lower than the division than, than our place suggests? A little. But then it did it worry Burnley fans when they stayed in the Premier League season after season on that mm. basis? I'm not sure. I suppose it depends on you know, the, the quality. If you're creating three quality chances uh, yeah. and you're biding your time and, and kind of picking your moments... Is that actually a sensible approach rather than, let's say, a Portsmouth who I think had something like 18 shots in a, in a game a couple of weeks ago, three on target, and their XG was still only down at two. It's, anyone that's played FIFA knows any moron can hit the shoot button from the halfway line yeah. and rack up the shots on target. And I think that I keep saying there's still more to come, and I think there is still more to come. I think if after 20 games we're in the same position, Mm-hmm. Um, and we've tumbled down the table a little, then maybe there's there's a question mark. It, it, anything after six games, you can't draw a conclusion from. And lots of people were sending me the league table during the the, the game on Saturday. Me, me included. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you included. Yeah, and we were, you know, and 
don't get me wrong, Chris and I immediately, the goal went in and I yeah. immediately checked the league table. Yeah. And then I'm thinking we're six games in. You, you shouldn't be looking at the league table until there's 10, 12, 15 games on, on the board. Mm. It means nothing. I guarantee you Exeter City, who are top at the moment, will not be top of the table come the end of the season. And I guarantee you Port Vale, who are in the top six, will not be in the top six at the end of the season. So, you know, at the minute, I'm not going to be looking at any worrying signs. What I am looking at is that we're getting points on the board nice and early, that we're mm-hmm. not conceding goals on a regular basis. What's that we've conceded in the league? Three on the opening day, six altogether. So yeah. aside from the opening day, that's three goals in five games. If we concede three goals every five games through to the end of the season, we won't be in too bad a position. Um, you know, we, we know that we're not, well, I hope fans know that we're not a top six side. Mm. But we're not a bottom eight side anymore either, and so that's progression. So it's yeah, it's it's interesting. Yeah. I think I think it's a good draw. Anyway, thirty uh, odd minutes in, we will go for a quick break. Um, where I'm going to try and sell you McNuggets. Um, spoiler alert: I actually had a Burger King on Saturday rather than a McDonald's, and it was lovely. Uh, but it, Burger King don't do McDelivery, do they? And if they did, I would probably sell it with more passion than you're about to hear now. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door, including my favourite, the Quarter Pounder with cheese. Mm. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery, so the only thing left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app, and you can also get reward points delivered too, so that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with three for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. Beyond the pitch, beyond the results, we're here to connect fans, getting them to embrace the highs and lows of supporting your club. Because we're not just fans, we're a team. With two in three football fans having struggled with their mental health, We understand that life off the pitch can present its own challenges. That's why we're committed to ensuring you have the tools to stay connected with your friends and fellow supporters. Take a moment to connect with your mates. A simple text or an open conversation can make a world of difference. And if they don't respond right away, don't hesitate to follow up. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. So this is the point of the podcast where we usually look ahead to the weekend's fixture. We've been granted a weekend off. Oxford United cancelled through international call-ups. Now, before we go on to the new sign-ins, it's a little bit of a blessing, Charlie, isn't it? Given that we've got three strikers all injured. Pordy has had an illness. The last thing I think we wanted was what could be a game between two teams that are hunting a top six space. I said that we're not there yet, but it's certainly the aspiration. So it's it's probably nice just to get that break and take stock of, of where we are after what is effectively eight fixtures with the two league uh, two cup games yeah absolutely it's um it's it's a really welcome break and it also gives mark kennedy the chance to have an extra you know that players will get a few days off but an extra 10 days if you like on the on the training pitch um in, in a big block which is really useful and it'll be really useful for our one of one of our new signings who we know is currently uh, it's like out injured it'll give him a chance to hopefully be back for the game uh, maybe not that game actually but be back f- with one game less missed if you like um and then we've also like we said we've spoken about walker and house obviously we're not 100 sure on what their uh, fitness levels are going to be like come 
Carlisle, but again, it means that it's only, you know, it's one less game missed. So it has probably fallen at the perfect time for us. I've got to pick you up on it. I've got to, because every week we we have a pedant who listens to this podcast, Pedant Pete. He'll be listening to it now. He'll be running. He'll be doing something, Pedant Pete. He is going to pick you up on one less game because it's one game fewer. And fewer and less is his absolute... He pulls me up on it all the time. My pet hate is of and have. If you write of when mm. you mean have, I actually do genuinely think less of you. I'm sorry. That's just <laughs> how it is. I can't help it if I see it, especially if, it, if it's OV as well. That, that's that's blocking. Oh. Um, so one game fewer. Your points are very well made. The Carlisle game is one that you would look at and think, well, actually, we, we should be going there. We should act be getting more shots at goal. We should be looking to dominate that game a little bit because they're going to come to us tight. So it's, that's the first one really this season yeah. um, where you think, actually, that's one we've got to be a bit careful of. And in, in the shots per game, I'm not sure about the Notts County game. I haven't checked that. But, you know, Shrewsbury away, um, Northampton away, perhaps we, you know, we, we weren't at our best tactically as well. So that's the first game. Carlisle at home is the first game where you think, that's one we should win. It's the first one I'm going to go into this season thinking we should win that, mm. which you know, is, is a nice situation to be in. Um, we'll come on to Jack Vale in a minute, who you alluded there to the point should be fit. Something bizarre happened today. Something I'd never seen before, ever. I'm going to reference another one of our listeners. He'll know who it is almost straight away. There's been an outbreak of positivity in the Pearson household. Now, I'm really concerned about this. Um, I am because positivity can spread. It's like COVID, um, but some people are seemingly immune to it. And, and Andy Pearson has been immune to positivity since the year he was born, which I think was about 1926. So when he was first born, I think, I think he probably had positivity as a child. He's not had it. Um, I think it just shows, one, the, the, the nature of this signing, and two, by the way, he was positive about Bristol Rovers. So being positive yeah. after we've drawn one all the way from our exceeded last-minute goal shows that the, the team are moving in the right direction. He was also positive about the signing of Jack Moylan. Now, we're going to talk a little bit about Jack Moylan now. He was linked with the club week commencing the 17th of July. I know that because I was going away to Bath and I couldn't cover it and, uh, properly. I was away with feet. So he's a 22-year-old attacker, just turned 22. Um, on the 1st of September. Uh, he, I hope I'm not ruining your notes, by the way, here, Charlie, but I'm running with it. Um, so he came through the youth system at Bohemians. Uh, he had a, a spell on loan in the Irish First Division with Wexford, where I believe he scored something like seven goals in 16 games. was one of the most exciting young players at that level. Uh, left Bohemians for Shelbourne. He's had two decent seasons at Shelbourne last season. Um, I, I haven't got the goals tally in front of me, but he had a, a, a half-decent goals tally this season. I think he's got seven or eight. Eight goals and an assist. Um, they're hunting a European spot. Uh, mm -hmm. He can play centre forward. I think he can play left wing. He can play in the 10 role. Very much a kind of uh, football manager fans or championship manager fans will in their head. Uh, AMF, RLC, attacking <laughs> midfielder forward, right, left or centre. Um, and he's certainly highly rated. Damien Duff wanted to keep him at Shelbourne. Uh, he's going to join us on January the 1st. And Andy Pearson's happy about it. Are you happy about it, Charlie? I, I'm unbelievably happy. Um, a bit of kind of behind-the-scenes background, if you like. I, I've known about Jack Moylan for quite a while now, but, but way before he was linked with Lincoln. And a lot of that is actually because of Football Manager. 
Um, I, because of our links to the Irish Premier Division um, last season, well, overlap before last season even, I ended up doing a, a Cork City football manager save in, over in Ireland because I really wanted to learn a lot more about the league. And obviously I did that partly through kind of playing it and knowing more about it through that. But then also you start following certain Twitter accounts. I have so many people that I follow now on my Twitter timeline that follow Irish football and that tweet about Irish football. And there's two players that I have known about for a, for a while. One more or so only in the past kind of six months, Jack Morland for well over a year, that I've always really wanted Lincoln to sign him. Jack Morland was one and the other one's Sam Curtis. Now, Sam Curtis is a, is a right back playing for St. Pat's, a lot younger. But yeah, Jack Moylan is, he's the one for me that's that young talent from Ireland that you just knew was going to end up coming over to England. And quite frankly, I assumed he'd be coming over into straight into the championship and playing at a top level. The fact that we've managed to bring him in to me is is fantastic. And I'm I'm really I'm really pleased on that. Um, one one kind of thing that I want to pick up on that's that's also really impressed me. We obviously have been after him over the summer. There may have been a chance or, or a, a try from the club to try and get him on a on a permanent now, rather than having to wait till January because obviously their season finishing in October November uh, and him not being able then to play for us till January. So there may have been an effort from the club to try and bring him in this summer. Now, when you're trying to sign a player from a club, let's let's just say, now no player is signing for a club that they don't want, but let's just say that there are two different clubs, both trying to bid with Shelbourne for, for Jack Moylan. One offers £75,000, the other one offers £125,000. Shelbourne aren't going to turn around and accept the club that's 75000 So sometimes then the player has to go to the one that they're less likely to prefer. Now, we didn't get Jack Moylan on a permanent this summer. But what we have done is we've spoken to the player. The player clearly wants to come to us. We clearly want the player. He's more than willing to, to come and join us in January. Uh, when, let's be honest, he could end up getting another five goals or whatever and, and have such an amazing goal tally at the end of the season that some championship clubs may have wanted to sign him. Or even some Premier League academies at the age of, you know, he's still only 21. So he could have been picked up from a club that's, realistically probably above us in the in the English pyramid pecking order even but he's signed on for us and that shows to me that he really wants to be at Lincoln City now here's an interesting report it was from the Independent in Ireland from a couple of months ago or a month ago when we were first after him uh, it said the Dubliners deal expires at the end of the season but shells would be due compensation if Lincoln took him at that juncture and the number mentioned mm. there is 60,000 euros yeah, I, do you know, I didn't, because it's something we've spoken about a lot with Sean Rowan, and I didn't even think about compensation there, actually. Um, yeah, I, we. so let's let's say it is 60,000. For me, from what I've seen and what I've read and all the stats, that looks like a steal. Um, Danny Mandroyu, I believe, was touted at around 30. Um, if Jack Moylan could come over and have the same sort of impact that, Danny Mandroyu has, then we're in for one hell of a player. It's fifty thousand pounds. Yeah, and that's that's not that's just a newspaper report. There's no there's no guarantee that that's the uh, that's the figure. So it's interesting. Look, look, we'll talk about him now, and then Jack Moylan will go on the back burner until January because um, 
he's not he's not going to sign for us. It means that I will now have to follow Shelbourne as well as Drahida, as well as uh, yeah. Bohemians, who I still follow as well. I can't bring myself not to follow them. I think people have become more and more aware of the League of Ireland. And if anybody mm-hmm. wants, um, if anybody wants a, an indication of you know, not not the standard, but the potential for the League of Ireland, I think they only really had to watch Brighton at the weekend, didn't they? Mm, yes, um, Ebony Ferguson. Come through Bohemians. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Came through, obviously, a few years younger than Jack Moylan, but came through in the exact same academy that Jack Moylan has. So we may also have a £100 million rated striker on our hands. We'll see. (laughs) You never know. You never know. And and the other thing I'd pick up on as well, just to kind of go on to our recruitment, and I'll I'll, I'll morph into the other transfer in a moment, but I'm going to say a word about Jess George because... It was not that long ago that Jess George was getting absolute pelters. Probably a year ago when we mm. hadn't signed a striker and this player got injured. And we, we did have a bad summer. The, and, and I'll hold my hands up. I, you know, At the time, I said you needed hindsight to say whether Hakeem Delican and Chris Maguire and, and players like that were um, were value for money. And they weren't value for money. That was the summer we signed last Sorensen, though. So you know, sometimes it takes a while for a player to develop. But Jez has always had a lot of stick because he's, when I say a shadowy, cre- a, a shadowy creature, <laughs> a, a shadowy character, it's just because he's not always forward. You know, he's not always in the press. He's not always giving statements. He's just off beaver in a way. He's been crucial in bringing Ethan Arahan to um, Central Bank, which is a little bit like, I don't know, bringing uh, Mary to Bethlehem. Um, do you know what I mean? It's, it, 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 it's massive. He's now... Helped us bring Danny Mandroyo over, who we shouldn't have got. Dan Mandroyo has been linked with a lot of other clubs. He was yep. linked with Celtic. Um, there's always going to be hits and misses. But there are always going to be players behind the scenes at a football club who you don't know what they do, who it's going to be easy to criticise when things are going, going badly. And Moylan hasn't done anything yet. He might turn out to be a flop. Charlie Kendall, for instance, you know, lots of banging on about how well he did, how good he was when we signed him. He, and he hasn't come to fruition. But I think the profile of player that we're signing um, is almost always good now. I think over the last mm. two years, there's definitely been a change in tack. We're signing much, much, many more players who are um, for the future, the likes of Dylan Duffy. And I just think Jess plays an import, a really important role at the football club. And whether you like him on a personal level or not, and many of you who will say you don't may, won't have met him, I have. He's a very personable chap. Um, I just think credit to the recruitment team for for continually delivering. Yeah, absolutely. Um, the fact that, like you say, it's another young player that we're signing. Not obviously, like you say, he he will hopefully come into our squad and be a part of something now. But as you say, the future, he's constant. He's going to be able to improve. He is only twenty-one. The la- I can't remember the last time. Well, in fact, probably it was Chris Maguire was the last time we signed a player that was older, shall we say? Hmm. Yeah, it could and- be. Maybe got burned with that one a little bit, didn't we? Potentially. So maybe we are better off just signing youth players. Yeah, look, we don't always sign young players. Tyler Walker's a little bit older. Um, Hakeem Adelikan was a little bit older. And that brings us to another bit of transfer deadline day um, news. Hacks, Mm. a loan deal fell through for Hacks. He's still um, at the club. I think it's quite clear he's not going to play for Lincoln City again. I think that we would rather play one of the under-18s out wide in the NFL Trophy game than we would Hacks. Painful situation for player and club. I've met Hacks, um, and whatever you think of him as a footballer, 
I, I feel for him a little in, you know, he hasn't had quite as much game time as, as some might have liked. Um, but it's just frustrating because he's now, he's, he's a wage. Look, early in the transfer window, I was of the understanding that we wouldn't be bringing a certain player in if we weren't able to move hacks on. And my we did then bring that player in, which was Jack Burrows. Um, and so that yeah, I, th- I think the club believed that Hacks was going out on loan, and that's fallen yeah. through. Um, you know, from here, I don't know because even we can't now release him. We can't pay up his contract and, and release mm-hmm. him. So the only option for Hacks is a, a national league loan, really. And then it's it's kind of up to the player, I think, isn't it? And the thing is, a national league loan, they're going to be paying ten cents on the dollar for his wage. Um, nothing, nothing more than that. So it is a really tough situation. Um, listening to to Mark Kennedy's post-match interview after Bristol, he he kind of said he woke up in the morning to find out that Hacks was still was still there. And like you say, no matter no matter what you think about Hakeem as a as a player, at the end of the day, that is still that is still a man whose career is currently not at risk, but it's it's gone downhill um, rapidly if we're if we're being honest. And this is somebody who probably just loves to play football like every, like every other player um, and now isn't doing that, will more than likely be training on, on his own and, and the things like that. So it's a really tough situation for everybody to be in. My only thing is I, I wholeheartedly trust Kennedy and his man management. So if he doesn't believe that Hakeem should be in and around the first team squad, especially for matches, then I, I trust that. Well, my understanding is that Hacks, certainly in February of last year, whether that's the case now or not, uh, was one of, if not the highest earner at the club. Yeah. Um, so that's that's worth considering. Uh, Ten pence in the pound, please, Charlie. We're a British <laughs> sorry, English on the show, not sorry, American English. Uh, but if uh, if Bromley are going to pay us ten pence in the pound, that's ten pence in the pound that we're not having to pay out ourselves. Very true. Uh, and. I, I would imagine that the club would like to get a loan deal sorted for Hacks at that level. Because if he goes to, let's say, Bromley and he does get four goals and five assists in 10 games, it just makes him a little bit more saleable in January. And we're not looking yeah. for money for him. We're looking to move him on. If he does just want to play football, by the way, um, maybe yeah. the loan, you know, he, he's got to then look at the level. It's hard. You know, three years ago, he'd got his big move, I think, to Bristol City. Uh, and, you know, uh, one million rated player. He'd been great for Scunthorpe, and now he can't get on the bench for Lincoln. And a loan deal, you know, he couldn't get on the bench for Gillingham last season, and they were bottom of League Two at the time. So, whatever's gone wrong there, um, and, and you never know, it's easy to say he's crap, but he's not. He isn't crap. But at the same time, I think, again, there was a tweet on social media that said, oh, it's, you know, it, it's a crying shame he hasn't had more chances. He's had, he has had quite a few chances. Uh, yeah, I didn't, I didn't agree with that. One um, myself personally, and, and I appreciate people's opinions different. That's not a go at the person that posted that because everyone can have their opinion. Um, we saw some good from Hacks Cambridge away when we won five one. I think he scored and had a decent game. Mm-hmm. Bradford away, I thought up at that stage. For me, we lost it Carlisle away when he drinking water off the pitch yeah. and they scored and knocked us out of the competition. Um, so Hakiba Delican is also is still with the football club. Bizarre, isn't it? We're talking about transfer deadline and we're talking about three players who are still at the club or at the club rather, <laughs> not who have left. And the yeah. last one is Jack Vale. So Jack Vale is a centre forward. He's signed from Blackburn Rovers. 
Um, he played 15 times, I believe, for Blackburn Rovers in the Championship yep. last season. Um, funnily enough, I, I kind of had a phone call on Friday where um, just to, as, a, as an update, and I said, oh, we'll look at the we'll, Jack Vale, someone who's close. And I was drunk, so in my head, it's Jack Blackburn. Uh, so as it got closer to 11 o'clock, you know, I wasn't going to say anything. I said, Chris, you know, Jack somebody or other. Vale, football manager, and that was it. So interesting signing, uh, especially that it's a striker. Um, yeah, well, what are your thoughts? Yeah, um, I was very much like Chris as soon as I heard Jack Vale, my first thought was, oh, Blackburn, you know, I, I've signed him a couple of times on loan myself. Yeah, he, he had six starts in the championship last season, you know, played 550 minutes, give or take. Um, the season before was probably the slightly more impressive season. I, I say that he had 10 games, again, six starts uh, in the National League. And I haven't noted. Oh, no, that was for um, Halifax. Sorry. Uh, he got one goal in that. So, you know, hardly ripping up the National League. But he also then got 12 goals from 14 games in the Premier League 2 that same season. You know, it's, it's hard to compare youth level and uh, sort of men's football, you know, senior football. But if you can score a goal, then you can score, and that's a positive thing. Um, in terms of his starts in the his, his games in the championship last season, he didn't really get that many opportunities. He, you know, he, he didn't get a goal or an assist. He only had zero point four xg, just less than one. Uh, expected assist and for the record I absolutely hate expected assist as a metric um, but that's a different discussion point so he, he obviously like I said didn't really create or, or get many chances to score now I'm not going to pretend like I saw those six starts or watched any of the 15 games that he played in so I, I'm not going to try and pretend like I know if that was poor delivery if that was the fact that he his decision making wasn't very good or any of this but Again, the club seem to really rate him. He's a six foot one striker. I do believe he can also be moved out onto the wing if if necessary. Uh, he's a young player that is supposed that was anyway supposedly close to uh, being given more opportunities this season in the Blackburn first team. They must have obviously brought somebody in that then allowed them to to move Jack Bell out alone. It's another one where. We create. We could end up creating a really solid link with a good championship club, who you know have a record of having decent youngsters. Uh, everything about it is a is good. Again, um, we had the loan spot to fill. You know, we, we've we've got what what's that now? He's our third loanee. Uh, if I'm not missing anybody, so you know, we, it's not like we've brought him in as a panic buy on deadline day. He's a player that we brought in for the full season. So hopefully he can play. I think we brought him in as a an upgrade on Jobin to give Jobin yes. a chance to go out and play the football. I think we've seen that. So the you know the loan market has come up trumps in that respect. Um, I, I I think we wouldn't have got him had he not been injured. I think Blackpool and Derby were two teams that were looking at him at the beginning of the the transfer yep. window. So I think that um, him coming here is, is partly because he's injured. And I think that was you know, one of the things that the club were probably fearful that they might get pelters for bringing in an injured striker. And then obviously when House and Walker are injured as well, it's, it looks bad for the one game, but it's a 46 game season. So exactly. I think it's going to be, um, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how he settles and how, and how he does. 
the thing is, it's not like when we brought in Dan on Lundloo or Liam Cullen and we were relying on them for goals and an immediate first team impact. You know, if Jack Vale flops, it won't be to the detriment of our first 11. Uh, I think that's fair to say. So we have brought him in to upgrade what we currently have, but we haven't brought him in to upgrade the starting eleven. So, yeah, I think it was um, interesting. And obviously, you know, we've had some good luck with Blackburn, Loney. Mm-hmm. Uh, Scott Wharton obviously came from Blackburn and, and had a really good time here. And we sold Teo Eden to Blackburn. So there's obviously a, a trust that we're able to develop players uh, from Blackburn's point of view. And I think there was one or two of their fans on deadline day were saying, you know, if he goes there and gets a regular run of football, he could do a decent job. But you say that, you know, we said it about Freddie Draper at Walsall. We said it, Charlie Kendall at Sutton. So you always say it about your young players, look after sweet prints and all that sort of crap. So um, we'll just see how he does. We'll see how he goes. It, it's it's really impressive for me. And it, it kind of goes back to the conversation we had earlier about Joven. And, and you kind of mentioned it there, being able to send him out alone. This is This is probably the first season in a while that I can think that we're not having five lone players in our 18-man squad. In our, you know, if everybody was fit, we wouldn't have had in, in previous seasons the opportunity to bring in a lone player to upgrade on somebody like a Joven to then send Joven out. We've never really had that flexibility with the squad before. But this season, because we've moved over towards more of a permanent signing model, uh, you know, we're, we're not having anywhere near the seven lone players that we ended last season with it gives us the opportunity to be able to to do what we're hoping to obviously do with Joven in the future and get I, him out, get minutes. I also think that that actually is as much to do with the quality of the younger players that we have because yeah. in the past we have loaned players out, but they have been yeah. at Gainsborough, et cetera, et cetera, and haven't been on the cusp of the first team, whereas yeah. you know, Joven certainly has been likely to go out on loan, not confirmed, but likely to go out to a National League team on loan now. Uh, Freddie Draper, one that you would imagine would be around the first team squad. Alicia Rahui was a player who we talked about first team potential. Mm-hmm. Sam Long. So these are all young players who you know are getting there, but we're they're not on these loans where they're off in the Northern Counties East League. And yeah. no disrespect, because Hayden Kans at Peter Sports, who to be fair, I mean that's National League North anyway, and doing very well from what I understand. But you know, like with the was it Morgan Worsfold Greg who went to Cleethorpes Town. That used to be the extent of our young players' loan deals, Spalding and, and things like that. And that's no disrespect to those teams. But when you're in League One, you need your young players to be going out to um, the National League. As you know, players like Macaulay Bond came on loan to us when we were in the National League. So, um, yeah, I yes. think it's, it's interesting. Right. So I said it was going to be a short one and we are now at 55 minutes, give or take, with adverts and, and, and slight... Uh, cock-ups and mess-ups. This will not be our only podcast this week. It will not. Uh, we will be putting a podcast together for you. It may, We may look to drop it on Saturday, Friday or Saturday, rather than the usual time. But we're going to be doing a lone watch. So we're actually going to be talking about Alicia Huey, Freddie Draper, Charlie Kendall. We're going to have supporters on from... Charlie might be able to help me out with this. We are going to go for one from Walsall to talk about Freddie Draper and we're going to have one from Falkirk to talk about the pretty impressive start it seems that Sam Long's been having. So we've got, have you got those already lined up? Yeah. Good man, of course you have. So Charlie will be doing one of those, Walsall possibly, unless Ben struggles. I don't know if Ben speaks Scottish, so he might have to do the, he might have to do the Black County, Black Country one instead. Um, 
And then Chris and I will be uh, filling you in on the other players. So we'll be looking at their stats. We'll be looking at some of their highlights as well. So all four of us will feature on that podcast, whether we also get Charlie and Ben in the studio when we record or not. That depends on how I feel. Um, and, and personally, if Charlie has... It depends if you want to talk to me, isn't it? Well, after that little dig at me you had in the WhatsApp yesterday about the double <laughs> punchline. So just to explain to people, I thought it was quite funny because Charlie had done... Um, He'd done really well. So he'd done uh, some shorts of Chris talking about tactics. If you want to see them, they're on TikTok. Which, for the record, you will you will see they are each about 30-second videos. We did three of them. It took us well over half an hour just to do the shorts. Chris needed that many takes. Yeah, Chris was saying he's, he's, he, he struggled a bit with uh, with it. But he, we've got tactics on TikTok, uh, and it's also on YouTube. Uh, and I said to, to Charlie, without checking TikTok, can you send me the videos for TikTok? And he went, okay, I've already done it. They're already up there. And I put, Charlie, you're brilliant. You're official. I really like you. And then in the group underneath, I put, do you remember when I said that to you, Ben? And Ben put, no, with a question mark. And I put, me neither. But I typed out Mr. Neither first, <laughs> deleted it, and then put me neither. And Charlie, after being praised by me, then came on and said, at least he doesn't need to take two goes at a punchline. Yeah, but I'd already bullied Ben that same morning about Fleetwood. No, not bullied. So no, don't bully on this no. show, Charlie. I had already uh, laughed. No, uh, uh, uh... Scott Maybe Brown being sad because they've got. Cities. They've if I could have also laughed at you for it, you could have laughed at me for it because I put like in the playoffs. Yes, well, but yeah, I'm not sure that the that was that was as it was. <laughs> I put the Fleetwood in the playoffs, and Ben said they've got a tendency to lose games, and that tendency is five in six. So Scott Brown was sad. <laughs> Um, so we are having some fun behind the scenes, but keep an ear out for that. We will drop that over the weekend. Otherwise, there's no football. So we may not be back with you next Sunday. It may be one pod podcast over the next week. And then uh, a week on Wednesday, we look at doing an introduction with Carlisle. Depends if anything happens at the club. You would imagine the signings are done now. You would imagine the outgoings would be limited to potentially non-league loans, if at all. Um, there's no incomes or outgoings on the Stacey West podcast. The only outgoing is Charlie and me, and we're outgoing now. So we'll speak to you again soon. Up the imps. Up the imps. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. We understand that the journey as a supporter isn't always smooth sailing, but rest assured you're not alone. There's a vast network of fellow fans who share your passion and may be experiencing similar challenges. Honesty is key in any relationship. If your friend asks you how you are feeling, tell them honestly. If you're going through a difficult time, let them know. Open them up about how you are feeling can really make a difference. After all, they are your mates for a reason. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. It's the 90th minute and all your mates around watching the imps on iFollow. You've got your McNugget share boxes on the go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping, but then you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.